Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Achtung, achtung. A reminder that tonight's live stream, Thursday, October the 1st, is available to everyone, not just members. Join us at 8.30 for a double bill of Gurglebox, that's when we all watch Band of Brothers together, followed by a live version of the We Have Ways podcast. And here's the fun part. You get to ask us questions or make outrageous comments live. Yes, live. The link for the live stream is on the front page of our website, wehavewayspod.com. Or you can find it on Twitter at wehavewayspod or at Al Murray or at James1940. See you tonight. No dress code. But if I were you, I'd bring a bottle. Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Um, yet again, James Holland and I uh, here in um, a treasure trove, a veritable Aladdin's cave of olive drab and dark green stuff. James, uh, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're a bit blown away by all the tanks and of course they, they're the sexy things and we get excited about yeah. those, but... What I love about what 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 Tobin's got here is is just the range of British trucks. Now, you know, so it's a quad, isn't obviously it? Obviously, I have my Dodge, which is American. But but yeah, look yeah. at it. We've got a Morris Commercial here. We've got another. Uh, we've got an ambulance here. We've got a guy. Is that an ant? Guy quad ant. A guy quad ant. So this is for specifically designed for towing guns. It's a field artillery tractor, a fat as they call them. Mm. And in fact, guy. Um, created the thing. It's a very short wheelbase, got a powerful winch on board. The engine is is the most unlikely engine. It's a Meadows four-cylinder, quite advanced in some ways in that it was an overhead valve, but it was a boat engine. Uh, There's there's not a lot else you can say about it that's good. Um, (laughs) Wide and squat. Yeah, Um, isn't it? It's really wide and very squat. It it doesn't look like like a... like an ant, it looks more like a like one of those sort of stink bugs. Well, you, the know, ants, ones, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, the I ant. Um, some of these vehicles were called beetlebacks, yes. but it, it wasn't naming it after the insect. <clears throat> it was the guy's numerical numbering system for or letter system for how they <laughs> okay. categorised the vehicle. Ah. Um, but it's it's actually a very um, uh, standard. Uh, vehicle underneath the, the the weird body you had seven crew who lived inside it and it, it is quite roomy and that would have towed uh we can an, see that from yeah. here actually it looks, it looks so what a 25 pound inordinately well originally in 1825 right. which was um before the, the 25 pounders came um, on came, came on board yeah um and then by um the beginning of the second world war when they went out to france they were pulling normally early 25 pounders yeah um 
But later on, the Egyptians had a load of them, and they towed 17-pounders. And, I mean, we've, we've towed the 17-pounder and an 1825. Yeah. No problem. Absolutely yeah. no problem. It's slow. The engine is torquey, very torquey. Um, but it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah. So it can go up and down steep hills. Yep. It can tow a, a, an ammunition limber and gun. We dragged it, if you recall, to Chalk Valley a couple yes, of years back. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, although we didn't go right up the steep hill, um, yes, we, it takes you everywhere without any trouble. And of course, if you're... It, it, yeah, sure. But, I mean, if, if you're in the desert and you've got to go up sandy ridges and dunes and all the rest of it you, you can do that yep. and if you're in sicily you know, you've got to go up to all those mountain top hills it yep. can and down the other side again it can do that i mean you know i've got photos from from of exactly these and uh, um towing 25 pounders in in sicily and you know they they kind of do what they're supposed to do what, don't what they? happened to guy motors um, I think they were absorbed into one of the other truck manufacturers right. in the 50s. Right, right. Um, I, I did read which one it was, but the name escapes yeah, me. Yeah, I just, I, it's not a name uh, I'm familiar with, whereas we, uh, uh, Leyland were, were made, and Rover, yeah. we talked about Rover and, and Leyland making tanks. So that's interesting. But if you yeah. look at some of Le some of Guy's designs, I mean, they were uh, late 1920s in appearance. Right. They, they were reckoned to be a good company. Or they were reliable vehicles. Yeah. But the styling was not their strong point. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got, it's got a certain amount of kind of... Charm. Well, charm and panache, I would say. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, you know, where... How, how do you? I mean, you've got a lot of British World War Two vehicles, particularly yes. early early war vehicles. I mean, what, what, what do you make of them all? I mean, how, where do they sit in the kind of pantheon of World War Two vehicles? We we like them, and and I particularly like them. Um, I've owned American vehicles, and what I like about those is the fact that you can buy the spare parts. They're relatively straightforward to work on. The manuals are brilliant. They cover absolutely everything, but they, in my opinion, lack. Um, character whereas the British stuff it's superb you know if you drive 25 miles in one of these you know it um, <laughs> but, a, but a real satisfaction it, it, you're, you're double declutching most of the time oh, you're working with brakes that are uh, marginal at best but you have to develop a technique you have to become quite skillful and when you've you've and that makes driving more fun doesn't it, it it's great fun yeah Hmm. Well, I yeah. think we should go and have a look at this um, this ambulance because this is also a thing of wonder, isn't it? Yes, indeed. So what have we here? This is an Austin K2 ambulance. Uh, the same vehicle uh, as was featured in the film Ice Cold in Alex. Right. Uh, which is an absolute British classic. Yeah. But this was a vehicle... It was the early standard British ambulance. And I mean, look at it. It's so... You know, you come up here, it's got lots of wood... Um, wood in the cockpit, wood, wooden floor, wooden back of the cab. There's a kind of a door that looks like a door to a caravan to get into the kind of main <laughs> body of the back of it. Yep. It's super basic, I mean, inside. I mean, Al, come and have a look at this. It's, it's just, you've never seen anything like it. I mean... Oh, yeah, that's pretty... You know, cockpits on vehicles have moved on a little bit, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no touchscreen uh, dashboard like in my Audi that broke down. It was brand new. Um, um, but it's rather fantastic, isn't it? It's, 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 um, yeah. They were coach built. Co yeah, they, and it's a, yes, it's coach, it's, and it's they, coach built. They it? were That's built exactly by it. craftsmen, not the, the very best craftsmen who, who would work for Mulliners and people like that, yeah. but they were craftsmen. Mm. Um, and it's uh, two, uh, two wheel drive. 
but um, canvas side, canvas sides, which again you sort of think why, but it was reckoned to be cooler. I so, could, that makes sense, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and, and lighter. Yeah, it's got vents in the roof. Um, so that you can get a fair old flow of air going through. They also had a heater which worked off the exhaust system, so you could heat inside if you wanted as well. Right. But we've moved around the back now, and you can see with the doors open, you've got room for four stretchers. Look at this, and the steps up, that's pretty yep. good. And then very, very soft Look suspension. Look at that, whoa. Okay, so, so I've got, I'm on a so wheel yeah, here. James is winding a handle that, that lowers the, the stretcher um, bed basically you put the gurney on the on this sort of uh on this looks like a steel plate and That's james one hand else, so, so up it goes uh, how many of these were built i mean these must have been do you know off the top of my head i i don't know i suspect it was probably something like ten thousand. yes i was going to say yeah there must be at ten thousand of these it was a common vehicle and they were they were continued in use until after the war yeah yeah Yes. Very nice to drive, very soft suspension, so, mm -hmm. um, because you're, you're obviously looking after your patients in the back, um, as uneconomical as all of these vehicles are, <laughs> um, but really nicely made, a nice piece of kit. Well, this is amazing, because it's also got little sort of, um, it's got little runners so that you can slot, slide the, the, slide slide your, the, the stretcher in, in. Yeah. Yep. the gurney in, yeah, and you're sat there and you're going to be safe there, and it's even got a little... A locking pin, so uh, that once, yeah, once you've got the stretcher in it's not going anywhere yeah. and the door you mentioned that goes through to the driver's compartment if you'll notice uh, on this side of it there's a fold down door yes and so the nurse who would be looking after the patients would open that door and she could drop down the, the step and she'd sit on the step and so she could look out and see what was happening on the road but also keep look back into the back and keep an eye on the the patients and check that they were all okay. slow down yeah yeah you're, you're jiggling yeah. the lads about too much gosh what a beautiful beautiful it's a, it is a thing of its time, it really is. Um, beautifully made, it's got um, the original army lino on the floor, yep. you see the brown lino and that, it would have been the, um, the driver's jobs to make sure that that was kept highly buffed at all times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as part of their daily inspection. And presumably lino's absolutely A1 in terms of hygiene, isn't it? Easy to scrub, easy to disinfect. In those days, nothing better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, looking at this, it's just making me think of my old friend Sam from Wigan, who was, um, I think he was in six. Royal Tank Regiment and was wounded very badly at City Rezeg, which was part of the Crusader battles, uh, when they relieved Tobruk. And he was transported all the way from there, you know, near Tobruk in Libya, yeah. all the way back to um, Cairo, I think it was. In one of these? In one of these. And, you know, he. he he said he'd never had anything more painful in his and entire he life. Would have had one of because, of course, you know, you're jumping up and down and bolting up and down. Yep. Detailing his injuries. Yeah, yeah. So, just you know, it is literally the old sort of luggage, luggage ticket, isn't it? The little cardboard thing with string. Like a Paddington, please look after this bear label. Yep. With your, with your, everything that's wrong with you and how much morphia you've been given and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Amazing. But they're nice vehicles and... and um, it's uh, wonderful. This one is relatively new to us, but the, the other one over there that's in the um, uh, the workshop, that's with the, been to Arnhem, it's been all over the mm. all over Europe. Yep. Um, and, and these steps fold up? The steps fold up, again, just um, very occasionally they get left down, which is dangerous because they're easy to damage if mm. you drive with them down. Mm. But they fold up and it just makes it easier to get in and out, either for people who were wounded or for the crew who are going up to keep an eye on the guys yeah, in the yeah. back. But nice Gosh. to drive, plenty, nice and roomy, spare wheel behind the driver. Um, yeah, good vehicles. We're going to go to a break now. Uh, we'll see you in a tick.
Welcome back. Now, um, you can probably tell from the ambience that we are inside now. We were outside looking at the ambulance and now, well, Tobin, where are we and what on earth is all this gear? We're sitting inside a vehicle um, called a Bedford QLR, which belongs to my colleague Tom Cunningham. And this is an unusual Bedford QLR. The QLR indicates that it's a, a Bedford and that it's got a radio body. But this is a, a listening vehicle or a, a vehicle that was built specifically for the Y service, which was the listening service. Wow. So yeah. that's what all these uh, black boxes with dials and knobs and switches and... You, yeah, to twid the knobs are there for twiddling, uh, as ever. Yeah. Um, uh, it's amazing. It's got an amazing smell, hasn't it? A kind of sort of... Well, it might be rotting socks, Tom, but, but, but it's, it's Baker also... Light headphones, yeah. um, uh, a buzzer chopper, that's a called a, a fuller phone Mark IV. Yep. And uh, that's, I mean, there's all this ancient tech. Plywood. Well, this, yeah. this, great been, this was cutting edge in its day. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and there normally would have been six chaps who lived in um, here effectively. And their sole purpose was to listen. And they were using um, what were very expensive American, what they call HRO receivers, um, which were uh, controlled by crystal, which made them very, very accurate. And by changing the crystals in each set, the guys could listen to quite a wide um, wave band uh, of signals. And they would listen to whatever the Germans or the Italians or whichever enemy you chose um, was transmitting at the time. And they would write it down. And they would jot it down onto signals pads. And those signals pads would then have the message torn off and those would be handed to dispatch riders. And the dispatch riders would take the messages back to Bletchley Park. Now, where we are here is not actually far from Bletchley Park and the vehicle would originally have been based around here when it was first built. Yeah. Um, but it then went off uh, with the D-Day landings. I think it landed on D plus six. I'm not as up to date um, on the history of this as I should be. Um, but it went but over anyway, to... anyway, it was in Europe. It went over to Normandy. It was credited at the Falais Gap, and that's this particular vehicle with capturing 500 German troops with the intelligence. This that very it, vehicle. This very vehicle. Um, <laughs> it, it then ended up going on Operation Market Garden and ended up ended the war at Eindhoven. And there was a sp specific order given at the end of the war that these vehicles were to be destroyed so that the uh, information didn't pass into anyone else's hands. And although the innards were stripped out, the vehicle survived and in, by the 1970s had become a recruiting truck. Right. And that's how it survived. Right. That's amazing. Incredible. Really so where did you story. get all the kit from? Yeah, where's all, all the radios? The, yeah, all the, yeah. Well, I, I bought the vehicle um, and I bought it off a mate of mine. Um, and it was one of those things you buy and then think, oh, God, what have I just done? And it landed on the drive. And uh, I was sitting having a cup of tea with Tom and I said, what have I done? And Tom said, I'll buy it. And um, so Tom bought it from me. And bless his cotton socks, Tom has cleaned it up and tidied it up and uh, got the whole thing looking a lot more ship, ship shape. Um, and, uh, yeah. and turned it into a pub. Uh, and also, yes, when we went to Arnhem last year, turned it into the Boar's Head, yep. which was a travelling pub, which was Wonderful. the best idea ever. 
amazing. It is something else, isn't it? It really is. And also to, to know that it's got that history. I mean, you know, a lot of the a lot of the tanks you have or, or, or other vehicles are kind you know, of anonymous, you, aren't they? They're sort of anonymous, but to know that, that this one was involved in D-Day, that this was involved in Market Garden is, is really quite something. And of course, the thing about the Y service is that you know, we were talking about it earlier on, weren't we, Al? You know, intelligence is, it, there's, there's so much focus on Bletchley, and, and rightly so. Yeah. But you tend to think that British intelligence is all about code-breaking and Bletchley Park, yeah. and it isn't. It's, it's a single cog. That's and, right. and it's about getting all those different component parts and bringing them all together. And the yeah. Y service, this listening service, listening to, to enemy radio traffic, is one of those other cogs, which when you put them all together... Add up to much more than and the sum of their the individual sheer parts. Energy of, of it, it's very easy taking messages to Bletchley Park from here, um, but, but the, the effort of getting them when from Normandy, in Eindhoven, yeah, 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 the Eindhoven. same thing. They were given to a dispatch rider, and they were driven all the way back to Bletchley Park. Just bonkers. We, um, we've just been handled handed a shovel. There's there's a bit of a story with this that we were told that um, the uh, this particular vehicle worked with an HMS Bulldog, and that uh, towards the end of the war they HMS Bulldog presented a shovel which I think on the back it says HMS Bulldog. Yes, it does on the front here. Yeah. Um, how true that is, we don't know, but that's the story. Yep, Wigan and Leeds HMS Bulldog. Well, well, well. Amazing. Isn't it? So it's yeah. it's a vehicle with what a some piece history. Of history. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, fantastic. And it runs all right. Runs and drives. Tom drove it to Arnhem. Yeah, uh, which is a all long the way. way. Yep. And back. Well, and how is it quick or is it? I mean, yeah. no, not that quick. Forty miles an hour. If you wind it up, thirty-five, fifty. I think was the best you got out of it. Yeah. Um, it should we say it has momentum? Yes. I, yeah, I understand. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going up a long, slow hill, you will exercise all of the gears. Right. But again, we, we forget, back in the day, the speed limit in the UK was 30 miles an hour. Yeah. And if you're doing 40... Is that so? Yeah. And if you're doing 45, you're considerably above the, the, the speed limit. On any road, it was 30 miles an hour? Uh, yes. The, the standard speed limit for a lorry was 30 miles an hour. Well, there we go. But it, I, Thank I, God it's moved on. James, yeah. that, that te- that's one of the reasons why American and British trucks are so different. In America, massive country, much higher speed limits. Yes, of course. They had to mass-produce vehicles yep. to make it worthwhile selling them to the farmers and everybody else. Yes. So, and, and it was a big, big market, so they mass-produced. Over here, 30-mile-an-hour speed limit, the Road Traffic Act that you mentioned earlier... And I've 1930, yes. That's right, which um, basically changed the way tax was... Calculated well, it, it made it it made it prohibitively expensive to have a vehicle on the road that was more than seven and a half tons. That's it, um, and essentially it was a small market. So consequently, and railway is big. It was is big. Yeah. And we've got the railway. So yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. government yeah, yeah, wants yeah, yeah. people to use that yeah, for freight, yeah. not the yeah. roads. And, and so the roads. British trucks tended to be very small runs, pretty much handmade, rather slow, um, and that's why you've got the big difference between the two types of vehicles. Well, there we go. Amazing. I love it. I think it's yeah, fantastic. Very cool in here. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for um, having us, and we hope we can come back another time because th- th- it just feels like we've what a wonderful day it's right, been. Tip of the it's iceberg. Been it's been it? amazing. We've a had tip a great of the time. olive green iceberg. Thank yes. you very much. We're very pleased you enjoyed it. Thanks for coming. Wonderful. Cheerio, everyone. Cheers.
I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts.